0: Hey, okay. welcome <laughs> to the so psychological aftercast. Yeah. So this episode starts with Sean playing hide and go seek. Right. With Gus. Right. We don't see Gus because he's, he's hiding. hiding. Uh, and so that that kind of made me wonder, like, what's the story with hide and go seek? How long has it been around? So I did a little bit of research, um, and I found the first. Like, reference to hide-and-go-seek is from a Greek writer named Julius Pollux in the 2nd century. Okay. There's also a painting that shows, like, the the idea, the concept of the game. Like, a child covering its eyes, counting. So, and like, the th- painting is about the hide-and-seek. It's not, like, in the background? I don't know. It doesn't give us the name of the painting, so I haven't looked at it. Um... But it seems to date back to the same time as, as the, the reference in That's the second, second century B.C. Um, and one of the other things that I found, I mean, it's, it's based on oral tradition. Like, there's no official set of rules for hide-and-go-seek. In one variant that my family plays, we play sardines, but we play sardines in the dark, And in sardines, you usually have one person hide, and everybody else is seeking the one hidden person. So it's a little bit backwards. hide and seek reverse. Yes. And dark. And in the pitch black, you even, like, if there are windows or anything, you want everything covered up because you want it to be as dark as possible. And what you do in sardines is as, as the seekers find the person who's hidden, you then now have to hide with the, with the hider. Oh, to like pack
1: in like sardines, yes, like you okay. are all in one tiny little place. Exactly.
0: Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and so then the last person to find the hider and to hide with them is going to be the hider in the next round. Uh, but there are other, there are other versions as well, but there are other versions as well where like if you haven't found anybody in a certain amount of time that you can call all olly oxen free or all in, all in, everybody out there come in free. Um, and then there's another variant. I've not played this one before where once all the hiders have been located, it actually becomes a game of tag and the first person tagged Becomes the seeker in the next round. Yeah, I think that would be something
1: we may have played when I was young. Where, like, once you were found, you, like, ran and tried not to get tagged. And tried
0: not to get tagged. Yeah.
1: But I will say we weren't too creative with our ways. It was hide and seek, which meant you hid until you were found. Which is funny because like when I think of this part in the beginning of the the episode and he's telling him to play right, you know, like to like seek him really quietly and mm-hmm. everything. But when you're the one hiding, it's not like you can do anything about it. You could hear them coming. Yeah, it's not like you can go hide somewhere else. But it, yeah, it's not like, oh no, I heard you coming so you couldn't catch me. Unless you guess you were playing the tag variant. But they have to see
0: you first, don't they? I think I think that you have to be found before you can take off running in the tag variant. Let's look and see does the tag variant have a name here? I don't see a name. But I doing it in the dark that would be really challenging
1: cuz I think you would But I think kids would really love that. Adventure a part of the hide and seek that everybody is almost just as blind as each other.
0: Yes. And and, and it it's it's really a lot of fun to play The Sardines in the Dark. And and typically when you get that many people all smushed together in one hiding spot, people start giggling, noises start being made, you know, and so that just kind of even ups the fun, the fun factor for at least for me anyway.
1: Yeah. It is amazing how far it goes back, but I think that the simpler the game is, the further back we're gonna see it, because some of these games just go across all cultures, right?
0: Well, and the it's simpler just, it is, the longer lasting it's gonna be. Yeah, because like all children are gonna to understand to to count and to hide and to find each other, and because we're each always other. looking for each other. Like no matter no matter what technology is available, no matter what, like through through eras, through cultures, I think that I think you're right.
1: Oh my goodness, that's really cool. Well, when I was watching the episode again, I got thinking about the key component to the robbery. The ring.
0: Oh, for just a moment, I thought you were talking about Gus's shaving cream crown.
1: No, that was classic in itself and a different type of jewelry altogether. But, but not no, the key component? Not the key component. Okay. No. Whatever happened there is between him and Patrick Swayze. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking about the ring because I was like five million dollars uh, seriously but fi- what is a five million dollar ring even look like right so i decided what does a five million dollar ring look like and even most of the celebrities rings aren't even five million dollars most of them are just like only, only only a couple hundred thousand oh you know wow or even maybe this the expensive ones at one million two million but now Katy Perry was engaged, got engaged to Orlando Bloom, and her ring is a $5 million ring. And so uh, I was taking a look at it, and I think a lot of it is going to come down to the designer as well. So because some things I found that were like 50 carats, 50 carats, like what does that even look like, were less than some things that were 20 carats. So I think some of it's going to be the cut, the clarity of the stones, but also the designer. You know, something with a famous designer is going to be so much more expensive. And
0: possibly even the metal that it's set in? Yeah,
1: I'm sure. And just the whole thing, even a history behind it. Okay. Because, you know, some of these huge stones have histories, right? Well, the one that Katy Perry has that he got her for the engagement ring, uh, it's a four-carat pink stone in the center, and it's surrounded by eight white diamonds. So it looks like a flower.
0: Oh and it's, wow! It's
1: actually really beautiful, and it's shockingly not humongous. Like if you look at some of the other rings that some of these other celebrities have, they're humongous, and they don't actually cost four million. So that's why I say I don't think it's always about the size. size. Yeah, uh, but I was just like, how do you even picture something? So I found another article uh, where it was listing all kinds of expensive jewels, right? so like for 1 million dollars you could buy this yellow diamond pendant necklace that has 20 carats and it hangs on a chain of diamonds itself and you can get it from Tiffany and Company and then it you know it lists going up from then for 1.2 million what you could get well right around the 5 million range which is what the ring is in the show it has a harry winston pink rectangular cut diamond ring. Just stunning. Actually quite simple, quite minimalist compared to even the $1 million necklace. But what's funny about this article is in uh, an online magazine called Jour, and it says you could own this Harry Winston pink rectangular cut diamond ring weighing 6.1 carats edged by two baguette cut diamonds and mounted in platinum and 18 carat rose gold or you could own... A Cessna Citation Mustang private jet. <laughs> so I could have a ring or, or my very own plane. Private jet, yeah. I'm just like, oh my goodness. All would I you? would need is a pilot. A, a pilot who could give me that $5 million ring and we would be set. <laughs> like, that is a brilliant plan. We would just fly off into our future together. I, I love it. I, I think I have just set my goals. Like this is good life goals. So now, speaking of other diamonds, and maybe going a little smaller scale, I found uh, right here in our United States we have diamonds mm-hmm. and uh, conflict free, and they're fantastic. It's actually in Arkansas, and there's a crater there where the diamonds will come up, and so there's a field, and for ten dollars you can enter this. It's a state park. Uh, you can enter the C- crater of diamond state park in Arkansas and anything you find there you get to keep. Oh wow. So it's a $10 entrance. The idea is you can just go with your family, have a day of fun. If you find something, you keep it. If you don't, you've had a great day out in the park with your family. They have a water park there. They have a gift shop, you know, just lovely day out in nature. And, uh, but they actually have several other types of stones there. Um, uh, and so they even have their on-site people who will then, once whatever you find, you can take to them. And for free, they'll tell you the carrot size. They'll tell you what type of stone it is. And then off you go with your find. Well, just recently, there have been two big finds there. So in so in autumn of 2020, Kevin Kennard visited the Crater of Diamonds State Park, which is some friends. Labor Day decided, hey, we'll just have a good day out. We'll look for some gemstones because it's something he did as a kid and, you know, they just wanted some fun. Except this time he actually found a stone the size of a marble. The size of a marble. Wow. And he thought it was just a piece of glass, so he just put it in his pocket and kept going, right? And he said he wasn't even going to have it checked out, but one of his friends had found something small and they decided to get theirs checked out. And so he thought, well, we're here anyway with my friend getting theirs checked out, I'll get mine checked out. And would you believe it was a 9.07 carat brown diamond? Wow. Nine carat diamond! And he said he was in complete shock. And it's the second largest diamond ever found at the park, which was actually opened in 1972. And so what I think is so sweet about this story, especially when we think about psych and how it's the story about this bromance and the friendship and, you know, this ring in this in this series, you know, it causes conflict. It tears this family apart, this $5 million. But here, he found this diamond. And one of the things that they do ask you to do before leaving the park with your find, even though you get to keep it, is they ask you to name it. And it goes on record with the park under the name. And he decided, listen, I came here with my friends. I'm going to name it that. So his name is canard so he named the diamond the canard friendship diamond oh i love that Isn't story that great? and then uh and then just to bring it back to weddings as well this year in 2021 uh there was a find at the same park and this this is something else i'm telling you uh i'm telling you they're spending $5 million for a ring. These guys are paying $10. $10 for yeah. these diamonds. Anyway, Christian Leiden of Washington went there because he apparently had dreamt since he was a kid of being able to propose to his future wife whenever he met her with a ring of his own making.
0: Oh, that's a cool life goal. Right?
1: So he always had decided, I should get the gold myself. I should get the stone myself, and then I'll make it myself. And so he he decided uh, to go down to Arkansas, and he said he saw something shining, and as soon as he turned it over, he knew it was a diamond. And then he was shaking so bad, he had to get his friend to take it out of the ground for him. And it was a 4.49 carat yellow diamond. And so he is now able to make a lovely ring for his future wife. Not $5 million. $10 is what he paid for it.
0: That's amazing. Let's, let's all plan a big field trip to the diamonds. In, in Arkansas. In Arkansas. And think of it. If, they, if, if this couple, if Lacey
1: had just decided to give let, let her brother have the heirloom... And just go down to Arkansas. Just go on a little
0: road trip. Because
1: apparently one of the diamonds previously found in Arkansas, um, once it was cut, it was cut down from eight carats to four carats. So you'd think it'd lose a lot. But once it's cut, it actually has more worth, a million dollars it was worth. Wow. If she had just paid her $10 ticket fee, she could have stayed out of jail. There would have been no murder. She and her brother could be great friends still. She and her father, great relationship still,
0: and she wouldn't have all these issues that she thought. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking her logic skills were not quite on par with yours on this particular topic. Very, very likely.
1: Very likely. But I'm just saying, folks, please choose a $10 ticket
0: over murder. I would definitely concur with that.
1: Okay, so now we got the ring didn't cost five million dollars we're ready for the wedding
0: uh wait 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 we gotta have that bachelor and bachelorette party oh the celebration before the celebration yes okay or as apparently it's referred to in some cultures the funeral of the life of a bachelor
1: now see this is something i don't like i don't like it when people equate marriage
0: to death i know that's crazy no, I'm, I'm like, this is a celebration. So uh, I, did, I did do some research on bachelor parties, bachelorette parties. I also found a new type of party called the stag and doe party. Okay, I've heard of stag and hen parties, but I haven't heard of does.
1: So this will be interesting.
0: And I also found an old type of party called jumping the shanty. Now that sounds fun. But
1: I will say I am a little nervous about these because I know where our society has taken this uh, tradition. Yes.
0: Well, there are there are different different ways that that it seems like there are different standards for bachelor and bachelorette parties like across the gro- the globe and different cultures. One interesting tidbit I found is In uh, Thailand, yes, they did not celebrate bachelor parties until after The Hangover 2 was (laughs) filmed there in Bangkok. That's
1: insane because when I'm thinking of what standards the parties go by, I'm thinking are we measuring everything by The Hangover movie because that is frightening. (laughs) Let's hope not. But apparently in Thailand, that would be their measure if they never had anything until now.
0: I, um, I guess I don't know well so the term the term bachelor originally meant a knight in training. oh I like that so like like a like a knight not like a knight headed off to his death. yes like a knight in training much better and the term bachelor party seems to be first used in 1922. And was described as a jolly old party. Oh, a jolly old party! It's sounds a jolly, jolly old party. Like a jolly old good time. So, and we all kind of know there's, you know, we all kind of know how we do bachelor parties here in the United States. I don't really understand, and I really haven't found a whole lot of the cultural significance of why, like the drinking and the the women and. And those types of things, I didn't find a whole lot on that. My only guess would it be it would go back to that traditional Greek Bacchus
1: festival. Yes, and would there's be the only kind of
0: when I get to the jumping the shanty, there is a, a, a thing in there that might give me a little bit of, of understanding on that. But um, and then the the bachelorette party. So this one is a bit more debated. Some people think that this is a very recent phenomenon, the bachelorette party, that started because of the sexual liberation that started happening in the United States around the 1960s. But some people think that this is a tradition that dates back many, many centuries. And, and this is where I found the jumping the shanty. Okay, so tell me about this jumping the shanty. Uh, I'm very intrigued by this. I almost kind of want to do it. So the story goes that in Scotland, there's been a long tradition that a a bride, the night before her wedding, would go around the local village to, quote, jump the shanty. The shanty in this story is a chamber pot. No. I know. Kind of a little ooey to me. Ooey for sure. Uh, I've never lived in a culture that had chamber pots, so I I think I just, I'm like a little scared of them. But she and her friends would be like very brightly dressed with hats and tassels and balloons. As one does when they go to jump over a chamber pot. Yes, and they would put the chamber pot in the road. Empty, I hope. Empty, I hope. It does not say in the story I've read. But they would, she would then jump over the chamber pot and anybody who was around would put coins and change. and Okay, definitely
1: empty because then, then she get, it's a collection for money. Into
0: the chamber pot. This would ensure that they don't start their marriage in debt as the passers-by would, would put coins in the chamber pot after she jumped over it. This might be a tradition we need to bring back. I kind of like this tradition. So, and in this... On the night of the jumping the shanty party, the bride is supposed to kiss every single lad that she meets as a signifier of the end of her single life. So again, back to the Bacchus, I think. Because
1: bachelor and bachelorette are words that come from that original uh, root with Bacchus. Yeah, I think, and so I think that is where they get that.
0: Yeah, I would very much imagine that that is true. So that brings me to the last one that I researched, and this one, I'm like, this hands down is what we need to be doing. It's called the Doe and Stag Party. Okay. And what it is is the bride and the groom together ah. will throw a party that has music and games and, and a couple of different types of entertainment, usually not uh, the same type of entertainment that we associate with a bachelor party because it right. is held by the bride and the groom. However, the bride and groom charge a fee to come to the party. Ah, uh, it's a reception without the co- with a cover charge. Kind of. And it's, the whole purpose of the stag and doe party is as a fundraiser. To help them start off their marriage with plenty of with plenty of funds and so I just I kind of like this idea of the the stag and doe party to get them launched off in the right way yeah and so instead of spending money on you know maybe things that nice nice gentlemen should not be spending money on they they're they're going to get some money to help uh to help support the their the life that they're getting ready to embark in.
1: Yeah, there's two things I like about that and the shanty uh, tradition you told me, which is one, it involves the whole of the community, or at least the community of friends around the people. Uh huh. And I like that. I like the idea of investing into the people that you love. You know, I like the idea of it uh, caring about them and doing what you can to raise them up for success. Yes. Uh, that's something I think is is really great. And then I also like the idea of saying, hey, you're a young couple. You might make some mistakes along the way, but we're going to invest into you so that you have some kind of buffer so that, you know, you're not starting off with your feet in a hole. Yeah. You know, I like that.
0: I think that's really cool. Well, and I mean, even some of the stag and doe parties, it was looking like like they might even have games set up that you would, you would pay to play the game. So it's almost like you're hosting your very own, like, Chuck E. Cheese or Incredible Pizza, yeah. all kinds of different... So where, you could make it, where where people, adjust where, it to yeah. your taste and where the taste of your can, community. Where people can come in. You could even do like whole families with something like this, where the whole family could come and play games and... You know, and it's it's like this game might cost fifty cents to play, and you just put your little fifty right. cents in the. Or let's say you have a
1: group of people who love like Ren Faire type stuff. You could yes. do like a whole theme. You, there's there's it's you could, endless. You could adjust I mean, it to the tastes of your friend group.
0: You really could. You could do carnival type games. You could you could do traditional board games.
1: So funny thing that came to mind that's kind of unrelated to the uh, stag and dodo or the. Uh, shanty. Um, but I was thinking about as you kept saying the word bachelor and bachelor and bachelor and bachelor is um when I was in college, I started making, you know, when you're, you're broke in college, right? Oh, absolutely. So I started making kind of food that I just called bachelor food because I imagined it's what the guy, cause I had a lot of guy friends and some of them, they just didn't know how to cook. And so it was like, they were like, until I get a wife, you know? And I was always like, you can cook. You, you can learn. Yeah,
0: you, you can, can learn. learn.
1: Now I had a lot of guy friends that could cook, so that wasn't uh, a bachelor issue. But so I, I apologize to all the bachelors out there who can cook that I uh, called it this, but I called this bachelor food, where I would open up a tin of beans <laughs> and I would just put it in the skillet. I, actually, what I would do is I would just I would make elevated bachelor food. Right? I would uh, in college I would actually just open up the tin of. Uh, baked beans right Mm -hmm. and eat them with like some Pringles or some like Lay's potato chip
0: I was about to say when my dad was a bachelor he did not there was no skillet involved in the can of beans since getting
1: older I still will make bachelor food but I've elevated a bit by taking out the skillet slicing up some onions and peppers maybe even some bacon and throwing that in the skillet frying it a little bit then throwing the can of beans in it right Mm -hmm. and then eating that with my Pringles or potato chips right (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's You got to have the Pringles, apparently. That's Lizzie's bachelor food, right? What's funny is in one of the places I've lived, I go into the grocery store, and what do I find? The tin of beans. And the brand? Bachelors. No joke. And I was like,
0: oh my gosh, I'm eating bachelor's bachelor's food. So my question yeah. is... Were you pursuing a bachelor's degree while you were eating bachelor beans, bachelor brands, bachelor dinner? I was
1: eating bachelor food when I was per- when I was pursuing my bachelor degree, but I was not eating bachelors bachelor food while pursuing my degree. I already had my bachelors when I was eating bachelors bachelor food. I was eating elevated bachelors.
0: I was hoping that we could fit as many bachelors into this sentence as possible. I tell you what, if you could fit one beside me with that Harry Winston ring or that private jet,
1: (laughs) 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 then we would be set.
0: Then we'd be golden. Golden. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Hey. It is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) so you were just talking about living abroad yeah yeah now i remember you saying when we watched this episode that you have a fake american accent right i actually have had for years and years because whenever
1: i've lived uh well even when i just traveled people have never really guessed where i am from they've always guessed maybe north america uh depending on what is going on but they, they never fully guess. And even in America, people have a hard time sometimes guessing my accent, where it's from in mm-hmm. America. Um, and that's because wherever I go, I tend to pick little things up without being conscious of it. And so even over the years, my accent will fluctuate, even depending on the stories I tell. So if I tell stories of different places, my sister says that my accent changes within the stories. And it's not intentional at all. It just, I, and I know many people who are like that, Um, You just, you just, you hear like the, the, the music of the accent. Right, right, right. So what, so accents becomes a conversation piece because of it, right? uh Uh-huh. And so living abroad, people are always wanting to talk about accents and, and they're always wanting to try out their American accent. And it's like the second they go, you're like, oh, that is... That isn't that no. That's, that's not an that, American accent. I mean, it's it's trying really hard, but it's like me trying to do a British accent, or it's you know, it's like I might be able to pull it off in certain situations, and I yes, have been words. able to in certain situations. But in general, if you were just to ask me right now, like if I were trying to quote the quote that Sean does, I yes, I'm sure some listeners would call in and be like, or email in and be like, no, sorry, Lizzie, that is just not the way it goes, right? Yeah. Um, I would become very conscious of it. It's like it could be close enough, but not quite. So a lot of times, uh, some friends of mine, they'll default to like a New York accent or a Southern accent because it has a really strong sound that uh-huh. they can latch on to. Uh, like a, that drawl or that... Right, but in some ways, even though that seems to make it easier to latch on it can almost make it easier to spot a fake. Yes. Right? Well, so then I'll tell them... Uh, Oh, I do. I have a fake American accent, too. And they'll be like,
0: what? But you are American. And I'm like, yeah, but I do. I I really want to hear this fake American accent, Lizzie. Okay. Uh, okay.
1: So for my fake American accent, all I do is take the American accent as it is. And I just take off the bits that make it really natural. You know how we will slur words together. We'll take endings off of things. We soften the uh, consonants of different points, depending on where we're from. So I just make it really round. In my head, I start to think Donna Reed, 1950s black and white sitcoms. Okay. Just like that really proper enunciated. And so that's when I start to say things like, Oh, hello, Susie. How are you today? I really think it's a lovely day. Are you wearing a sweater? That is the cutest
0: sweater. (laughs) That is so great that that yeah that sounds like a fake American accent I mean it would pass as
1: American because I am American I think but it's definitely not natural you and are it's not natural to me
0: you are you are an American I am an American here
1: yeah and like I said but the accent itself is not so natural to me
0: yeah so that's that's my that's my fake American accent that's awesome yeah I am from a part of the country that definitely has a more subtle accent, but I very definitely have an accent. Um, but then my husband is, is from like the middle of the country. Yeah. So he has like that very neutral, what people might call no accent, even though no matter, no matter what every, every accent is an accent. Cause that just is how you're def- pronouncing your words. Uh, and so when we were first married, he spent a lot of time trying to teach me how to say things properly. Oh yes. So like, clothes. Oh, like with the with the, hearing the th. Yes. So I keep my clothes in my closet, and they're very lovely. Those clothes. Uh, yeah. And so people people will comment on on my accent sometimes that it's. Uh, oh, you don't have an accent. And I'm like, oh, I have such an accent. I think I think, I think everybody has an accent. Oh, just yeah. because we're all going to sound different
1: to each other. But I think one of the keys to a fake American, especially if you already are American,
0: is simply feel awkward as you say it. Oh, well, then I have a fake American accent because I am very awkward. <laughs> no, but you're actually... Like when Sean says, oh, I hear people, they
1: say... American howdy say howdy but then you he, howdy but when he says howdy he actually says it really naturally but if he said it like howdy like if it were a strange thing to say then it would sound so like a real like somebody trying to do an american accent yeah
0: that's too funny so just
1: just accentuate the awkwardness and it will sound more put on
0: accentuate the awkwardness
1: accentuate the awkwardness, accentuate the awkwardness. you know just like our podcast
0: all the awkwardness
1: all the time
0: all the time thanks. there's there's no none in this one no no
1: none <laughs> no none all right thanks for listening to us and hanging out with us for a little longer today we hope you'll join us uh for the next episode when we take a look at speak now or no Nope. we hope you'll join us when we take a look at
0: women seeking dead husband smokers okay no pets Stanchion. It is a stanchion. <laughs>